calling all overwhelmed coaching and service-based entrepreneurs. Are you struggling with working in and on all the things when it comes to your business? Delegating projects to your team, struggling with apps, tools, and programs that are supposed to make you feel more productive? You are not alone. We have created this podcast for you. Tune in each week to hear how you can create structure within your business, learn when it's time to hire a team, and be the fly on the wall for the episodes when we talk with other entrepreneurs who were in this same situation, but worked through it with the help of a team. Welcome to the Business Managers Podcast. Hey, everybody, and welcome to this week's episode of the Business Managers Podcast. We have a full house today. This is our biggest, what do we want to call it? Round table discussion here today. We have two guests and uh, we want to introduce you to them. And first up is our friend Kim Fuller. And she is a mindful photographer, meditation guide, author, TEDx speaker, and founder of Born to Rise, which we'll tell you all about during this episode. Her passion is to help women stand in their power, their story, and their beauty so that they can live a confident and peaceful life. She uses photography to mirror the beauty she sees in each woman, which empowers them to show up authentically in business and in life. She gives women a platform to share their story to a live audience so that they can process, release, and transform themselves from victim to hero. And she gives women mindful tools through her art of the pause method that invites women to slow down and look carefully inward to enable them to expand in creativity intuition, peace, and joy, and to release their fears, judgments, and assumptions of themselves and others. She is mother of, of three children, one of whom is adopted and is her greatest spiritual teacher. Her book, Finding, tells the story of her journey with this young boy in the Dalai Lama. Not that her son is the Dalai Lama, but we'll get into that. One of Kim's greatest gifts is she is a great hugger, and that is true. Kim, welcome. Ooh. Thank you. I'm so excited to be here, you guys. What a great intro that I wrote for myself. <laughs> well written. And I can attest to the fact that you are indeed a great It's hugger. true. Yes, I love to hug. Yes. Especially Melissa. Yes, I love to hug. Right? We've done lots of hugging. We have. We really have. And I, I look forward to resuming that tradition with you soon. <laughs> and I have the great honor and privilege to introduce the Reverend Dr. Terilyn L. Curry Avery who is the creator of Pastology, which is the cutting edge field that focuses on the synergy between pastoring and psychology. She holds a PhD from Hofstra University and a Master's of Divinity from Yale University. She calls herself a pastologist and is a transformational leader, speaker, author, and retreat leader. Dr. Tarlin Curry Avery has a unique approach to healing, transformation, and manifestation. She places the emphasis on your journey towards sacred intelligence, which is your ability to tap into your internal source in order to move toward intelligent choices. Those choices are intended to honor the sacred and help you manifest your greatness while simultaneously embracing the humanity of those around you. Reverend Dr. Kerry Avery believes that relating on both the spiritual and human level is crucial to helping ourselves and others manifest our greatness and creating more harmonious, life-sustaining relationships. Reverend Dr. Kari Avery works with highly influential and committed leaders 
who need spiritual and psychological support as they transform the world by creating a legacy of service, prosperity, and greatness. She is particularly passionate about healing the wounds of religion and dismantling racism and is a strong advocate for social justice. Reverend Dr. Curry Avery is the author of Sacred Intelligence, The Essence of Sacred, Selfish, and Shared Relationships, and will be publishing her second book this year, Dismantling Racism, The Sacred Intelligence Journey of Faith for Transformational Leaders. Welcome, Carolyn. Thank you so much. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. We're so psyched to have you both here. We're psyched to be here. Yes, you guys are amazing. I love you both so very much, but I'm going to jump right in and say, you know, I know that you guys have been working together for the last year or two. And I wanted to know, like, how did you guys get to know one another? And then from there, decide to work together. Mm. <laughs> we got to get like to that question. <laughs> yeah, you start, Carolyn, you go. So Kim and I actually met because we were in a coaching group together and we are, we're kindred spirits really is what it is. And so even during the coaching group, we're both healers and we would often talk about just our businesses and how do you grow a business when you are a healer and when your goal really is about humanity and helping to heal the world? How do you do that and make money at Mm. the same time? And sometimes there was a struggle with that. And I think that we naturally bonded just having those worldly conversations. And then because of who we are, we just naturally talked about race. As a matter of fact, because Kim's adoptive son is a person of color, I think I just would naturally talk to Kim about race because I felt comfortable doing that. And it just, it evolved, I think, from there. I actually went towards Tara Lynn because I just thought I want to be one of the cool kids. <laughs> <laughs> she just she seems have so that cool. Thought, she? No, she's, she was full of expression, which I love, which you read about in my description is I love helping people fully express. So when I see someone who is, I'm like, it's like a magnet for me, like, yes. And so I was drawn to her from that, but all the other things she said as well, like we both would talk about we're so spiritual and we just don't, you know, what are we going to do about the money part? But we've got there. Huge. Huge. Yeah, it's a big yeah, part. And huge. we've come a long way. <laughs> Indeed, we have. Yes, we have <laughs> that we can way, both heal and, and be able to say, well, look, this is my service. This is what I do. And, you know, the people who value it will will come to us and will pay us. Right. Yep. I think like a lot of friendships that developed too, is that um, we became a mutual support system for each other. Like I know when I was like, oh, you know, I would call her up and just say, all right, Tara Lynn, this is what I'm going through. Or, you know, how are you doing? And it was just became a nice back and forth support, even when the coaching program was over, just to check in with one another. Because I think we had a, a common desire and intention in the world with our work. And so that that was key for me is to find someone who wasn't competing with me but supporting me and and vice versa it's just like yes keep going because you know it doesn't matter who's doing the work right it's just that it's getting out there Mm -hmm. and I think that's really crucial because you know even though we talk about doing the work and getting paid for it for us it was really about what gifts we're offering to the world and really being focused on living our higher purpose our higher calling 
I knew Kim's goals and desires for some things that she wanted to do. She knew mine and then COVID hit. And so we, of course, checked in with each other to really just talk through those things. And, and the other thing that was really important for me is that Kim was very easy to talk to. And I felt like she was a genuine person to really be concerned about me and whatever was going on in my life. So I really want to stress that piece because I know we're going to get into some of the work that we've done, which is around race. But for me as a woman of color, it was really important for me to feel connected with Kim and to build this relationship in order for us to be able to do the work together that we're doing now. We didn't just wake up one day and say, oh, you're white, I'm black, let's do this work. (laughs) (laughs) We we essentially, when we would call each other up, it's like, hey, you you got 10 minutes and it turned into like two hours. Right. And we started talking about a lot of what's going on in the racial world right now and and all the issues that have arisen more in the forefront in the past few years, of course, but but that have always been there. And um, for me as a white woman raising a black son, I did have a lot of questions and wanted to educate myself. And I was grateful for Tara Lynn's willingness to talk about those things as well and not just be like, you know, oh, here's a white girl needing some black woman's help or to be educated by a black woman, which, you know, often happens. And we think that's our only resource. But I had, you know, I had done some reading and tried to educate myself, but there's always more. I think when you have an embodied experience in something, it's obviously more helpful. And so really appreciated that. But we would talk for hours and we we started saying, we've got to record these conversations because these are good conversations. Like we were really raw and honest and we realized that more people would probably benefit from hearing what we were talking about. And that's really when we started thinking, okay, there may be something here. Mm. But, you know, I think, um, you know, for for me, when I hear you say, Kim, that you weren't just this white lady deciding here's a black woman. I know I'm going to go and get this information. I want to really impress upon people the relationship that Mm -hmm. we had, which started out as human human relationship. Yeah, business women. Really (laughs) just uh, well, I even purposely say human to human because We were in a business group together, but we were in there with a lot of people. And truth be told, we felt connected with a lot of people in the group. But there was also this different um, connection and passion we had so that when it came time to have the real conversations about race, those conversations began before 2020. Yeah. And we began to just, you know, we, we had a perspective that we had of our own perspective, but we knew the other person's perspective as well. And then we could just break it down. And, and what I love about Kim, not that this is a Kim and Terrell and Love fast. It can but, be. It know, can be. But, but what I'm all members of the club here. I receive. <laughs> I receive. It's really, just being able to say, Kim, now listen, like there's another perspective, or I got to check you on that, or her giving me pushback to go, well, Terrell, I don't know if that's necessarily the way I think about this or that. And I think we do that, that pretty well with each other. We've known you for a few years and you're both very real. Like when you say you want to stress that, that the relationship was there first, that you, you were friends, like, and you can have those real conversations without someone's feelings getting hurt or 
one of you saying, I don't know if I could bring this topic up. Like you just both real people and it's authentic. Yeah, authentic. authentic. That's the word I could not yeah. find. Love authenticity. Yes. Whatever that means these days, right? Right, right. It's a right. buzzword. But I want to, but, but, but Kelly, now I just want to say that doesn't mean that sometimes feelings don't get involved right? and that yeah. there's some tears that might, you know, happen when we're having the conversations. But that's the beauty of. Yeah. But I think that's the reality of the word authentic, even though it is a buzzword now. But like the real meaning of it is that you can feel free to to share your feelings, share your tears and be real. I think, too, like being willing to learn from the people you're around, whether it's your your best friend or the coaching program or with anyone being open to hearing another perspective so that you can expand your own consciousness is really important to both of us, I think. And. Mm -hmm. I won't say that I haven't had some really uncomfortable moments as I've been expanding, like wiggly and uncomfortable, can't sleep kind of stuff, because let's face it, we live in a white world. We've been taught white world stuff, and we don't, as white women, white people often see really how people of color have to navigate the world every day. And for me, like wanting to be a better white person or a better advocate for people of color, it's sometimes hard to explore that and not get a little uncomfortable because you're like, oh God, I still have so much work to do. Even when you think you're kind of awake around it all. And so for me, it's been a real expansion in just remembering that the work we're doing is about helping ourselves so that we can help others. Because if, if we think we got it all going on and we're like, oh, we're just going to go teach and not be willing to learn at the same time, it's just it just doesn't work. Mm. <laughs> We've got to be healed ourselves first. And sometimes that's really the only work. I mean, that's really the only work a lot of times. But we if we can then share how we do that, then I think that's where the real healing can come in. And I think we've done a pretty good job at that together. And I think that if you're not uncomfortable, then you're not growing. It's just you're telling yourself a lie. Good point. You know, because I I have to admit, too, that I have been awfully uncomfortable with my whiteness in the last several years because it these truths that we hold to be what is (laughs) (laughs) alarming, you know, it's. Very yeah. well, yeah. oh, and and I think that what Kim and I try to do, particularly in our work together, is to model that because we have these uncomfortable conversations publicly. Now, mind you, what what folks should be aware of is long before we have the public conversation, yeah. Kim and I have gone probably a couple of hours just having the conversations and going deeper and deeper and deeper. And I, what I want to uh, point out is that there is a level of trust that is here because in order for us to have those deep conversations, in order for anybody to participate in any one of the programs that we offer, they have to be able to trust us to hold space for them mm-hmm. and to hold sacred that when you're in that place of discomfort, like I, I can just only speak for our relationship, but let's say there's a place where Kim is feeling uncomfortable. I hold the space for her, not necessarily letting her off the hook in the moment, mm-hmm. 
but I hold the space for her just to be able to process that. And I think that it's helpful to her that she can trust that I'm not going to be aggressive. I'm not going to be shaming her or doing any of that. And likewise, for me, as a person of color, there's this place of trusting that I can have the conversation with Kim and also just being open to the perspective that maybe the way that I've thought about white women, I'll speak for, since we do a lot on white women Mm -hmm. uh, and black women as well, but that maybe the way that I've thought about this, maybe there's a different way. And I think that's some of the things that happens in the classes that we teach together when women get together and we really start talking about the stuff we're dealing with. We uncover the assumptions that we make about one another. We uncover the things that the stories that we're holding that we need to let go of. And so we just kind of help people work through that process because we've done the work. Right. Well, Which, as we all know, we we you know we live in our own perspective based on our conditioning. And so just as I might have my own assumptions about what Black women think, navigate, or think about me, the same holds true for the opposite. And so it's just been fascinating, honestly, to... So we have the one series that's just called White Women's Tears, Black Women's Anger, Real Talk. And that's when Tara Lynn and I really go into a conversation. And it is real. And sometimes it's it's very in the moment because we don't always know what the other's going to fully say. And so it can get even uncomfortable publicly. But I think even by showing what Tara Lynn just described as holding that space for one another, we hope to model that people can have these difficult conversations and be present for one another without, you know, attacking, right? And then the workshop really breaks down the the racial narratives, like that story that that we all carry from whatever perspective we're coming from, and sort of starting to examine that and looking at is that helpful in in healing all of it, not just one or the other race, but you know, women coming together is is mainly who attends our workshops as women. But it's um, it's really been fascinating to see the, the different perspectives and hear stories that that are sometimes, you know, black women coming from all different backgrounds, white women coming from all different backgrounds, varying circumstances, varying uh, economic backgrounds. It's just been really interesting to release some of the assumptions, you know, white women's shame in particular has been a big one for the women like. I don't like, I'm scared to say anything because I'm going to say the wrong thing. And then it's just been really, really interesting to see where we're stuck in this and why haven't we been able to heal it over these hundreds of years, right? Yeah. Frustrating. Because one of the things, every time I hear a white woman, mostly, because I I think some white men will say it too, but in our work, white women say, well, I'm afraid I'm going to say the wrong thing. My running response is, I had to learn how to navigate whiteness. So you learn how to navigate blackness. That's a very you know? good. It is. So, yeah. and, and, and I think the thing is, is that I've just had a longer time of navigating mm-hmm. than white people have. And so that's why I think that sometimes in these conversations, you know, when Kim says, I didn't sleep last night, Carolyn, or after these things that she hasn't slept, I'm like, I slept fine. Because I didn't just start dealing with this. There's no sympathy. Just no sympathy for my my. No, not, not, not much. Not She's much. like, welcome, but, welcome. Yeah, to welcome my to my world, lady. <laughs> and you know, you know yeah. I, I think when we just can 
see that, right? It's really just about, again, opening our perceptions up and, and, and really looking at new perspectives. And it's been, it's been a good, good piece. So, so we do that work together, but we also honor what each of us is doing separately. And I think that's what keeps us going because, you know, Terrellyn's workshops are really rich and diverse in other areas as are mine, but we kind of co-mingle the two uh, things into this one workshop, which is, you know, transforming the racial narrative. So we're bringing in the racial piece, we're bringing in that story piece, and it works so beautifully in, in the work that we're doing together. Um, so it's been a great partnership. Um, but we we did have that conversation of like, okay, we kind of jumped into the marriage before we had the dating part. So <laughs> right. let's talk this through, like, how serious are we here? And I think that too was really important to have as an honest conversation, because, you know, you don't want to get in and then be like, oh, crap, now I don't know how to get out of it, you know? So we, we did hash that through as well beforehand. I think it's very important to know where you're at before you decide to dig deeper, right? Because you both are separate entities, but you have a common goal. Yep. Yep. Go on. Kim, I just realized we have an interracial marriage going on here. <laughs> we do. We got a little marriage. <laughs> I love you, Lord. <laughs> I love you. <laughs> but so one you- thing that's been great too is the more we work together, the more we get to know each other on various levels. Like I've met her girls, she's met my my kids. We've hung out in Newport and just um, become great friends through it all. You know, I think that's been a plus for sure. Mm-hmm. And it's great to see. And you know, and, and like you touched upon, and Melissa touched upon, you both do things, do important things in your own right and to bring yourselves together for this. So we've sort of danced around it, right? I want to talk about the two of you separately, but how are you, how are you working with people if they want to sort of get involved in dismantling racism with the workshops that you're doing? You're doing them via Zoom. You know, I'm throwing this on you now, but you started you know, during the pandemic, but is there talk of taking it on the road at some point? What's happening? Secrets, any secrets? coming up? <laughs> wow. So I don't know that we've actually talked about whether we would do it live. We, we might've touched upon it. The beauty of doing it via Zoom is that we have people from all over mm. who attend. But I am certainly open to doing one live uh, for people who would love to come. Now, I will tell you the work that Kim and I do. Now, the real talk conversations that we have that are hour and a half, that's great. But when we're digging into the work work, and I know for me, the classes I do on dismantling racism, people got to be ready to like go there and dig deeper. But uh, I don't know, Kim, I'm, I'm open to doing a live one. It is oh, heavy. We, yeah, it we, is may heavy. Be, we may be sampling something at the next Born to Rise Women's Story Festival. We just talked the other day about uh, some version of this conversation or um, that we could we could do. So maybe this will be the tip, Terrellyn. We'll, right? we'll be able to uh, to do it on the you know on mm. the fly, but it'll be fun. But yeah, uh, you can see if it works. So tell us about that. We'll jump into you, Kim. Okay. Tell us about the work you do, what you've got coming up and born to rise because it's, it's awesome. Yeah. So the two ways that I really love to help women feel empowered and courageous in their own 
their own light, like to really bring forth their gifts is through my photography work where we do empowerment photo shoots and business branding, and then the Born to Rise uh, storytelling platform. After doing my own TED Talk, I, I really felt empowered myself and felt a, a real shift in releasing some of the hardships of the story into something a little more empowering. And so I felt like, let me create something where more women can do that. And, and you don't have to apply for a TED Talk, you know, if you don't want to. And so Born to Rise has really uh, been small events where we gather women to share their personal stories. And we're leading up to a story festival, which will involve story sharing through music, dance, storytelling, and poetry. And so we're going to have different different presenters for that, for different performers. It's just going to be a super fun event to hopefully engage women to start having deeper conversations and interact with one another, kind of how Tara Lynn and I do, just really start to open up conversations that matter and understand that in listening to people's personal stories, we can start to let go of some of the assumptions we might make and see women as women, right? And in the common struggle versus just every little nitpicky thing that we might have going on or differences in our, our skin color, our economic backgrounds, our conditioning, all of that. So mm. that's really what I'm all about. Nothing going on at all, Nothing right? Nothing going on, but the festival's in October and you can hear more at borntorise.live. Excellent. And that's a live and in-person? Yes, that is a live in-person event in uh, Tiverton, Rhode Island. Very nice. Nice yes. area. Mm-hmm. We were fortunate enough to attend your 2020 event and got to hear an an amazing story from Carolyn as well. It was so fun to hear that story on that stage. I was, I was there as well. And to, uh, yeah, Carolyn's story and how it sort of melded with Angela's that like, that was like the, you know, yeah, you know, it just, that was cool. It was very cool. It was. And what about you, Reverend doctor? What do you have going on? I mean, you, Uh, you also do very important work outside of your collaboration? So exclusive of the business world, I'm a full, uh, well, relatively full-time pastor. And so I do a lot with with that part of my life. Mm-hmm. Uh, and even with that work, it's all about the healing, right? Whether it's healing the wounds of religion, whether it's healing people who have their, just their daily struggles. And there's a piece of race that's involved with that because though I don't talk about it uh, very often because it is still an ongoing uh, trial, I should say, or the trial hasn't happened. You know, my church was burned down and it was a, a hate crime. So I live this every day when we talk about what are the experiences as a as a person of color. Mm. And so it's really interesting to be able to see how we engage in our work while living day to day. And so I, I share that to say that, you know, what I do outside of just helping people to heal from their everyday sort of situations is really to dismantle racism in this country. And with that, I offer dismantling racism courses, which I have one coming up and in September, but it's a six week course that I offer to people to really, really dig deep into where did this begin? Where did this, this whole thing of race and racism began, but also how do we become awake to see what some of the unconscious and implicit biases that we have? Because 
quite honestly, I've grown up with, with people saying, oh, that doesn't really happen. Just because that person who took a picture of you and your child the other day when you were in their neighborhood, it's not because you were black people going through the neighborhood. It was just because they're pretty, you know, right, right. That's what, you know, so, so I take courses, I teach courses where I'm teaching people to, to not only wake up about racism, but then let's develop a plan of some of the things that we can do to to combat racism every day, you Mm -hmm. know, but we don't know what we don't know. Right. So if you don't know it exists, how can you combat it? Right. So that's a piece of what I do. And then I also have a radio show called Dismantle Racism with the Reverend Dr. TLC. So uh, I'm, I'm about the work of, of healing on all perspectives. So, yeah. Yeah. I was lucky enough to take your Dismantling Racism six week training and it was it's heavy and it's good. I, I thoroughly enjoyed it and recommend it to anyone looking to do the work you well know? and 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 kelly i have i have i have to just say i was so proud of you because you know one of the things that we talk about is in the course is like what's going to be your action plan and your action plan doesn't have to be something really huge but there was a step that you took with the media that i was really psyched about oh, right, when I, right right when right I, when i saw that you posted that and i was like yes Yes, yes, yes. Because I think it's so important. You know, when we use that word heavy and talk about dismantling racism, yeah, it it is heavy and it's wearying. I wish I didn't have to talk about it as often as I do, because trust me, there are times I don't talk about it at all. But the thing of it is, if we chip away little by little by little, we create the world that we want. Mm. And that's really the message of, of healing. I think that both Kim and I offer is that do the work within ourselves. And then we find the avenues to engage in the healing work with the world. And so even when you think about the business that you all do, you're certainly helping to heal us, you know, business folks who just can't get it together sometimes, (laughs) you know, but, but you provide a source of healing and calmness to us by helping us to manage our businesses. So if we can begin to look at, you know, the stories we tell, how racism shows up, if we look at it as just daily healing work, it doesn't have to be as heavy as we make it yeah. today. Day I, by day. Yeah. I want to ask Kelly a question. After taking Tara Lynn's course, what is one key takeaway that you had from the work? I mean... It's you have to get uncomfortable and you have to just just like Carolyn said, just chip away. Like even if you just take little you don't have to change the world in one big bite. Like. Is Kelly Murphy going to change the world? She might. But if she if if that feels too much, just little by little, like take a beat and stop and breathe. And if someone says something. And you you know, and if it's wrong help them understand how it's wrong and don't get instantly angry. Right. Because Uh they may not know. Well, it's so interesting because I'm just thinking about one of the things I do is a lot. I do a lot of role plays in. You got me. And so I, I, people get uncomfortable because I'm not, they'll be on the opposite side of whatever it is (laughs) that they believe because I understand that if they're going to engage in those conversations with other people, you, you got to be ready. Now, 
truthfully, sometimes they look like a deer <laughs> caught in headlights <laughs> when I put a scenario, but they handle them beautifully because we're all there to support one another. Yeah. And I, I had to be Amy Cooper. Yeah. And that's all right. That's okay. Yeah. I didn't want to be, but you know, yeah. it is what it is. Sometimes you have to be Amy Cooper to understand. Hey, listen, like yeah. I said, Amy Cooper didn't wake up that morning thinking she was going to do that, but she did. Yep. Right. Yep. Catches you off guard. Yeah. And so I think, as I said before, I think that, you know, to your point, Kelly, is like the work is really about healing ourselves mm-hmm. and our own behaviors, our own thoughts, our own actions because we really can't change anybody else. We can awaken them to things, but then they have to ultimately decide to do that work as well. And so it's really about taking care of business, taking your own, taking care of your own business. And so that can get wiggly because we all, you know, all our stuff comes up. And on the other side of that to me is extreme freedom when we realize that it's comings and goings. It's it's not permanent. We can work on this stuff and it can change and transform. Thus, so can everybody else. That gives me hope personally. Yeah. You know, Terrilyn jokingly called me a Pollyanna one time and I said, yeah, I, I probably am. I, I do see that there's pot, that possibility in everybody. And I'm going to keep thinking that until I die because I don't want to not think that way, that there is possibility for healing in the world. Well, and I think to some degree, you know, obviously I believe that or I, I know you do right. or, or a pastor for that yes. matter. But but I think that it's always a good opportunity when we're in these discussions to say, here's the reality and let's see how we can, you know, bring that reality. That's right. With with that point. That's of right. View, right. Yeah, that's right. So I want to say something from a business perspective that I think is really critical here. What is important for us to know one another racially is because it helps to break down some of the the unspoken things that go on in businesses. So like a lot of times people are very uncomfortable when they collaborate with each other with having conversations and particularly about race. And so there may be opportunities where people of different races are working in a business together and they have thoughts about something that one person does that's based on race, but they're not willing to voice that. I think that we're able to do that again, because of the relationship and because we put race on the table. Right. So we don't have to guess about now, Kim, is that a white girl thing? Or Carolyn, is that a black girl thing that, you know, that you're doing right now or something like that. I mean, listen, as a business, I think that that even though we jumped into this this marriage before we had known each other in terms of this very long, it, it works out pretty smoothly because I think the both of us are even kill, but we are open in our communication. So for any of your listeners who want to collaborate and do joint ventures, I would say just make sure that you openly discuss everything and that you communicate with the way you like things done and don't don't let it slide to say oh I'll talk about it at some other point I think I think we're pretty open about that and if it's an issue where there's something racial that we feel like is going on we'll we'll ask about that you know as well so I agree Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. absolutely I think that Kelly and I for example our relationship is such that like more Kelly is my barometer than anything, but like when I, you know, 
need support in that fashion, like with my uncomfortableness, she is very helpful in terms of keeping me in line. I think it's because I, I'm a talker, you know what I mean? If I, if something comes up and I'm uncomfortable about it, I'll say it and she'll be like, well, you know, (laughs) think about that for a minute, you know, like, it's just like, why am I uncomfortable with that? Like I, and I can, I can see it in my head that it's something that I need to work on, but she is a good barometer for them to, to talk it out with. Like you need a person that you can talk about those things with. Like why yep. is it uh, uncomfortable? Yep. Now they're not going to say you're a racist. Right. right. You know, like, jump down but your it's, throat. It's, it's yeah. you need to have those uncomfortable conversations in a safe space. Right. Mm. Right. Because it's unlearning everything that you've known your whole life. Like, Right. And, you know, so so, Melissa, what's really powerful about what you're saying in terms of having that barometer? So so racism doesn't require intent or malice. Right. Sometimes we can make a statement about something and we don't have any intentions of trying to be racist or any of that. But what's good when you trust the people in your life, you can trust them to say, now, look. I know what you meant about that, but let me just tell you, if you get around some other people, that's probably not what you want to say. Even if you don't mean, right. What you think you mean this yeah. is the interpretation. With well, that. I'll, I'll give you the example from the other day there. What was the commercial for Kelly? It was a, a car. It was a, like oh, a, it was a Ford commercial and the guy doing the advertisement was Australian. And I said, why is a foreign guy doing an American car commercial. I just had to look at her. She just looked at me and went, really? Really? (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. Mm -hmm. It's not like you meant it the way I did it, but I'm like thinking he doesn't have an American accent. Yeah. And, and, but, but it's about consciousness. Right. It is. Yeah. And, and when, and Kim mentioned this before, we're conditioned to yeah. react and to respond in a certain way. And so when we say things, we just get all bent out of shape if it's not, you know, like when people say, well, they're over here, they need to speak English. Mm, excuse me. But it's just like, uh, why? Right. He could, that Australian guy could very well be an American citizen. Mm-hmm. Right. Could have lived well, and I, I, what was it? The other day, uh, Tara Lynn, I was talking about one of the speakers I'm having at Born to Rise. And you said, is she a woman of color? I said, yes. And I said, she's so amazing. Like her story is amazing. And she articulates it so well. She's really articulate. And she's like, ho, 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 wait, 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 wait. She goes, I, I want you to understand that when black women are described as being articulate, it comes off differently than what I think you're meaning here. And I said, yeah, I said I didn't even hear that because for me, what I was saying is that I what I was responding to is I had seen an interview with her and she told her story really well, like it was clean because I listen to a lot of stories, obviously, in my work. And some people are all over the place. There's like get to the point, you know, but she articulated her story very clearly was what I meant. But of course, Tara Lynn was pointing out that some people may hear that differently. And I thought there it is. Right. And so Absolutely. sometimes it's. We don't even we don't even know until we know. <laughs> and I, of course, meant nothing by that on a racial thing. But to someone of color may hear it that way. So yeah. it's just learning to be and careful okay. what you say. So yeah. I just want to point out that, 
you know, it's one thing to say someone is articulate to say, I don't mean this in the way it is usually perceived, because that gives me an awareness that, you know, but there's probably been very few times in my life and I'm not necessarily a young woman uh, (laughs) that I've heard someone describe someone as articulate and they were talking about a white person. It's always been a person of color. And I often think, well, we're supposed to be articulate, Mm -hmm. but that's not the assumption. Mm -hmm. Now, I'm not going to give a whole class on language today, but (laughs) a part of what happened was we had our own language when we came to this country and we were separated from our kindred and not allowed to speak our language. So we had to learn to speak the language that was here, which was a broken you know, it was broken language for us because we were learning the language. No one was teaching us. But also, if you if you ever forgive me, my Southerners, because I'm a Southerner. But <laughs> if you've ever heard some of the language of the old South, a lot of that language was broken English, too. So we were learning again what we were hearing in some way. There's it's much deeper than that. So don't anybody write into Kelly and right. say blah, 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 blah. But that's just a small example of our awareness around race and our awareness around the the internal narrative. Exactly. But the the subtle ways in which we're indoctrinated, because I believe the internal narrative, I love that you use that word because you're saying it's how we are perceiving it as people of color, but it's also the unconscious biasness of white folks when they say you're articulate because white people don't even know that in that they've been trained to think that we're not articulate. So it's about an awareness Mm -hmm. for all of us, Mm -hmm. but in the work that Kim and I do together, it's also about being able to let some of those stories go. And I want to just say that, you know, we do a four week program with people called transforming the racial narrative. And one of the the things that we really try hard to do is to have people to release their stories. And that could be white women carrying around their guilt, their shame. It could be black women who carry around guilt and shame or their anger or our beliefs about one another. And what's really cool is that we do these exercises where we really get us to talk about what we believe about one another. And so Mm -hmm. it's a nice and safe place for us to have some really crazy Mm -hmm. and uncomfortable conversations because we just, we just let it hang out. We're like, Hey, what do you think? Even even uncovering the fact that you have what we call a story. Mm -hmm. Like some people don't even realize that they've got a kind of a narrow version of something. They just assume that that's it. And so until we even are aware that we have a story, period, which is what I love so much, because, you know, I've had several stories that emerge, especially during COVID, when like everything was just getting shaken up. Right. And all these old stories that would emerge of, you know, the fears in particular fears are often attached to that story. Right. You know, of like what what you're not enough of or what you don't have enough of or what's always going to be this way or or whatever. But uh once we uncover that we even have a story, because a lot of people will say, I don't, I don't have a story. I don't have a story. I don't even have a story to tell. I'm like, oh, you've had 20 happen just today. Yeah. But, but when we, but we, when we learn to pay attention 
to that inner dialogue, that voice that talks to us all day long, you start to realize, oh, that's the narrative that I carry along in everything I do. And wait, there's more. <laughs> Order these Ginsu knives. <laughs> there's more. Free you know, shipping and handling. Is, yeah. And so it can get uncomfortable, but it's also like pretty cool how the mind can be re reprogrammed almost to be a little stronger and healthier in this in this particular topic of racism. Yeah, I mean, this is on a very elementary level, but I don't know if it was a couple of years ago, maybe it was last year. I don't know. There was two threads going around on social media. And I think it started with a white person saying, I think it might have been on Reddit or something. It was like, put all of your stereotypes of white people in the comments and people like all, all everyone all around the world would put all these stereotypes in of white people. And, and, and then, you know, all like, it was all very lighthearted and like, there was no like disrespect on it. It was just like, Oh, this is what I think of white. This is you white people do this white people do that. And then there was another thread, all of your stereotypes of black people, but it was our people of color. It was wonderful to see because the conversations that came out of it, there was no like hatred or, people being like, that's exactly what you people are like or anything like that. So the fact that you, you are, you're both able to draw that out of people in your, you know, your, your courses is awesome because there are things in our head that we think, Oh, that's just what I thought people were like, you know, but I, I think what's really crucial about this conversation that we're having is that we, well, I'll say we, but I'm probably really meaning mostly white folks. So let me just be clear about that because I've heard too many of them say it to me is that I'm not racist. I see people as people and I don't see color. Rarely does a black person use that word to say, I don't, uh, that language, I don't see color, but it's false. We do see color and there is an unconsciousness that we have about us when we decide who we will hire for our businesses, who we will go to for for business, um, all of these things. And in this conversation we're having today, particularly as it relates to business, is that's why we need to become aware of how we do see color and how we do interact with people and how racism shows up. The fact that we have to say, I don't see color, stems from racism. Mm -hmm. It stems from the civil rights and Jim Crow era when People did not treat us, well, still don't, but even worse then, right? And so people grew up with their families saying, you have to treat people as equally and as the same so we won't talk about race. Mm. Well, that may have been good intentions, but it didn't work out so well. And so what I want to say to your listeners in terms of business, you can actually have a healthier business when you began to look at color and you began to look at race in your business, it doesn't make you a racist because you want to look at racism. What it makes you is informed. And you might find that your business will flourish when you're able to really look at the ways in which you are engaging your audience, the ways in which you might be missing out on business by not you know, marketing or understanding other cultures. So I just want to add that component in because I think is really critical. And especially the, the work that I do 
around that is trying to help people understand how is this impacting your business? Because believe it or not, it it is impacting you in some way. And especially now these days. Hmm. I think it's a form of honoring and respecting individuals as well, where, you know, whether it's their culture or their their circumstance or what have you. But, you know, I I want to respect my clients and understand them enough to be able to figure out what their needs are or what their different needs are, you know? So to your point, Carolyn, I think that's important. Like I know for me, like I respect you as a human and as a friend, and I don't want to offend or say the wrong, you know, even as a friend. And so I have to see your color to be able to understand you even as a friend and a person to say, okay, like that maybe works for me, but it may not work for Tara Lynn or, or I can do that, but that's going to bring some fear into her life because it's a different set of circumstances. So in honoring and respecting you as a friend, even I want to be able to understand where you're coming from. And so just, yeah, that, that is a big piece as well for me, I think. Agreed. Absolutely. Sure. So let's, I mean, we could literally yeah, get the pillow. Ten, 10 minutes turns into two hours. So you better like cut the tape. I mean, right. Can I just <laughs> yeah, Tara, say one can... more thing before we wrap up? I just think that people, yeah. I think that when people say that they don't see color, it's sort of just a way to like put their head in the sand and it's not healthy or helpful. Yes. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yep. So we, let's talk about events. Okay. We've got some events coming up separately and together. So where can people find you workshops coming up between the two of you? What do you have going on? Yeah, we've got our next workshop on September. September 27th is our next Real Talk series. And that's the one where we um, openly discuss a topic and then workshop some questions for a little bit and let people share. So that one's um, on the 27th of September. And, and we'll then, be talking about transracial adoptions. Yes, we're going to be talking about transracial adoption on that one. Ooh. So, And then we usually have a week or two in between, and then we'll host our four-week workshop. So that'll be coming up. We tend to share them uh, on each other's websites, and then we'll you know create the graphic and share on social media as a collective. Tickets are usually sold you know together that way. Nice. Uh, and then I've got the Born to Rise Festival following that in October. So you'll see Tara Lynn and I both there doing a... Test. something together but um that is going to be a lot of different storytellers um hopefully to inspire you and in whatever avenue you might need a little inspiration nice and so that's coming up and just keep your eye out we've got three workshops leading up to that festival on writing your story your story through song and your story through dance so that's all listed on the born to rise.live website and while you're speaking tell us about your book and where people can find that as well yeah, my book is called Finding, and that is on uh, Amazon, or you know, you can also request it at any bookstore, and they'll order it for you. But yeah, that one's a, a fun read about how my my son be, really became my spiritual teacher. A lot of people think it's a book about adoption, but it's so much more than that. It's really about the two of us, um, again, awakening together in different different ways. Nice. Yeah. And, and we'll put it, well, all of these links, you don't have to scribble them out on a piece of paper. We're going to put them in the show notes, everybody. But uh, we also like to, to get them out verbally. So Tara Lynn, what, what do you have coming up? I know you, you, you've got some things. I do have some things, but I just want to make one little correction that the workshop that Kim and I are doing is not just on transracial adoption, but oh, transracial yeah. parenting. 
because there's some heavy issues that come up. There are things that kids talk about and that they don't talk about when they have a parent who might be of a different color uh, than they and and vice versa. One of the things that I have coming up is on September uh, 8th will be the kickoff to my next six-week course on dismantling uh, racism. So I'd like to invite people to go to my website, sacredintelligence.com check out all the courses that I offer. I do a weekly uh, radio show of uh, Dismantle Racism with the Reverend Dr. TLC. Very dynamic guest on that show where we talk about race and racism and how it shows up in everyday life. And I hope to, by the fall, have my book on Dismantling Racism out. Uh, And so uh, that information will be up on my my site in the next couple of months. So I do hope people will get a copy of that because it's for leaders who really want to uh, start dismantling racism right where they are. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, and that's a whole other discussion that we just touched today. Yeah. Yeah. So well, uh, that's definitely, we're going to be keeping an eye out for that and uh, sharing that with our listeners and our you know, social media and stuff. So, well, we can't wait to see you the next time we see you, which will hopefully be in October in person. Yes. We said it's been, I mean, we usually would see each other at least a couple times a year, right. For our, you know, treats and stuff, but it's been a while, so it'll be nice. And I don't even think, Oh, well, we did hug then, but there was a lot of masks and hand washing (laughs) and (laughs) yes. Yes. Yeah. Don't Yes. (laughs) So thank you so much for coming on both of you again. We could have, we could go on all day. We may have to make this a whole series. Who knows? Who knows what's going to happen as we say, at least there was incredible. Thank you so much. Yeah. Well, you do. Here's to good partnerships, you know, Yeah. right. Both got it going on. I know we see (laughs) women can work together. Right. And, Leaders can work together. Absolutely. And, and mm-hmm. good things can come out of it. So, yes. yes. Take note, everybody. Take note. Well, thanks, you guys. This has been fun. Yeah, thank, thank you. you. And, and everybody, don't forget to tune in to the next episode. You never know what's going to happen. Check out our Facebook group for the podcast, the Business Managers Podcast Facebook group. We put all our uh, guest freebies in there. And, um, free gifts and all of that good stuff. So thank you for tuning in and we will see you guys and gals next week. Bye. Thanks everybody. Bye. Bye. Did you enjoy today's episode? If you did help us grow with a follow rate and review, check us out online at mergioenterprises.com and on Facebook and Instagram at Mergio Enterprises. See you next week and tell your friends.